When I say two six, you say heave. Two six, heave. Two six, heave. Raising the big sails on a windjammer takes over a dozen passengers and two crew members. And it's not easy. Those sails are heavy. Heave. All right, hold every inch. We're just getting underway on the Isaac H. Evans. Today is our fourth day sailing, and we're island hopping around Penobscot Bay. Brenda Thomas is captain of the Evans. It took a little while for Brenda to find the wind this morning, but she knows it when she does. As the crew starts to set the headsails, the jib and the staysail, and I turn off the wind just enough, there's a feel. The boat starts to heel, the lines start to stretch. That's the spot. There she is again, and she's awake, and she's like, okay, here we go. And by here we go, Brenda means flying. This is Salts and Water, stories from the main coast. Salts for salty people with deep connections to the ocean. And water, well, because there's a lot of it here, that's for sure. Salts and Water is a podcast from Experience Maritime Maine. I'm Rob Rosenthal. On this episode... The Windjammers of Rockland. Can you can you shake that tack? I like it. A windjammer is a type of schooner. There are several that sail on the mid-coast of Maine. One of the last places travelers can experience this kind of old-world sailing. Last time I sailed on one, I don't know, it must have been, what, about 15 years ago or so. It was a short afternoon trip out of Camden. I had a great time, but I'm so glad I'm taking this longer trip on the Evans. Five days and nights on the ocean. After a while, you think to yourself... Why go back ashore? And speaking of ashore, I don't know what you do for work, but I feel like a computer jockey. I spend most of my days in front of a screen responding to emails like I'm in a batting cage. Well, Captain Brenda says, aboard a windjammer? To heck with all that. Everybody is on iPhones and smartphones and screen time and Skype, and and we're all connected to news. We have so much input all the time. And when you're on the boat, you don't have that. Today is fabulous. It's been rolling seas, great wind, sunshine, happy people. It's a great combo. Effie Rubenstein is from Philadelphia. She's on this cruise just to escape work for a few days. Only Captain Brenda actually put Effie to work for a while at the helm, steering the Evans. With a porpoise and... uh, big island right in front and had to quickly steer away and tack right, catch the waves, fill the sail with wind. How did the wheel feel in your hands? Oh, it's magic. Smooth, like gold. Our cruise started a few days ago in Rockland Harbor. People came on board in the afternoon, found their rooms, stowed gear, and got to know each other. At 6 p.m. sharp, Brenda boarded the ship. It is time for Captain's Call, so please join us up here. And what Captain's Call is all about is a way for us to meet one another, although you've probably been doing a fair amount of that already. On this trip, Um, there are about two dozen people, families, couples, people traveling solo. I'm just looking to sit back and relax and enjoy and just see some beautiful scenery, just do something I've never done before. One passenger is an occupational therapist. Another is a member of the Air Force. There's a software salesman, a graphic designer, a retired music teacher. There's even a grandfather and granddaughter celebrating her 16th birthday. I can't put into words how much I loved being at sea when I was in the Navy, and I'm hoping to rekindle a little tiny bit of that. You know, it's great to get outside and get away from, get unplugged and get 
I mean, you know, new inspiration for life. They come from Ohio, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania. What do you hope will happen while you're out here? Um, great weather, great experiences with people on board, um, great meteor showers, hopefully, if the weather cooperates. After captain's call, most people went ashore for dinner in Rockland. I stayed aboard the Evans. I worked. Checked my email three times, actually. Eventually, the sun set, people returned, and most of us stayed out on deck to watch shooting stars. Oh, there, goes one. Oh, there was one. That was a good one. To be honest, there aren't that many tonight. The sky is a bit hazy. Regardless, Fern Hawk and her son Hillel don't seem to care. If you need mom, I'll help you. It's kind of like, just look, watch this general area. Yeah, nice sky to look at. It's, it's relatively quiet as well. Grab a quilt and put Around 11, I went below. I checked my email, then fell asleep. By mid-morning the next day, the Evans was underway across Penobscot Bay, headed east. But who cares what direction? Just stare at the ocean. Captain Brenda says the Isaac Evans was built in the 1880s as an oyster boat working in the Delaware Bay. The Evans is a two-masted gaff rig schooner. It's 65 feet on deck, 99 feet overall. She's wide and shallow and, and heavy, so she's not fast by any means. She's like a shoebox almost. <laughs> I try to imagine the Evans from a distance. Brenda standing at the wheel, cutting a line against the waves. Passengers chilling on deck and tall sails billowing against a blue sky, full of life. Do you feel like the Evans lives? Oh, absolutely. I, I touch her, I talk to her, and I, I anthropomorphize her in a huge, huge way. I mean, she's made of, of what used to be living material. Her masts, I mean, that's, that's like the, the heart of, of her. And when I go to check the bilge, I'll put my hand on the mainmast and say, hi, hey, how you doing? And I mean, that may sound really strange, but that's, that's the absolute truth. Um, I think of her as a matriarch. I think of her as like a grandmother. For much of Brenda's life, sailing was never really on her radar. In 1993, she worked at a bank in Rockland as an assistant manager. And even though a few streets away, windjammers sailed in and out of the harbor every day in the summer, she had no idea they were there. Until she started moonlighting as a bookkeeper for the owner of a windjammer. And one day, he invited her for a sail. I spent one night on that boat, and that changed my life. Tell me how. What, what happened? There, there's so much. I mean, first of all, the boat was really cool you know I, I watched the crew raise and lower the sails and there's this steering thing and we're going really fast and we're tipping over and I was like I, I want to do this I want to do this a few months later she gave notice at the bank so after some conversation with the person I'd been doing the bookkeeping for I was like is there a place for me on your crew um, and I started as a cook the following year Brenda proudly says she then worked every position on a windjammer messmate deckhand, first mate. Several years later, 1999 to be exact, she had to have her own ship. She just had to. So she bought the Evans and she wasn't even a licensed captain yet. I was 29 when I bought the boat. I was a kid in so many ways. I had so much to learn. I, since running the boat as a captain, have become a plumber, an electrician, a carpenter, a mechanic. She's taught me who I am. Um, well, I'm a teacher and a camp counselor and, uh, you know, the talent show host and entertainer and, and all of that stuff, too. 
but she's taught me who I want to be as a person, how I want to connect to people. Yeah, we try to keep um, politics, religion, and baseball off the boat. <laughs> At the helm, Brenda is always on, instructing the crew, navigating tides and wind, steering us away from storm clouds, and just affably answering questions. Lots of questions. It's my understanding on another Windjammer there has been a naturalist cruise. Yeah, there you go. Lots of sunscreens. <laughs> Lots of sunscreens. It's easy to pass. <laughs> what do most people do all day on board? Well, a lot, really. Chatting, reading, cribbage. I saw people taking naps. Others were staring at passing islands in the Fox Island thoroughfare. I mean, what more do you want, right? Well, how about dinner? on one of those islands. Late in the day, we dropped anchor off Burnt Island. The crew ferried us over for a traditional lobster dinner. It was boiled in a big metal tub and covered with seaweed gathered from shore. Yeah. Ask the guy from North Carolina how to break lobster apart. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Melts in your mouth. It's so delicious. Oh my goodness. Lobster tastes better on the beach. It does. <laughs> After dinner, some people paddleboarded around the inlet. I went swimming. Just briefly, the water is pretty darn cold, even in August. Brenda and the crew cleaned up, then rowed the first passengers back to the Evans, singing as they went. I stood on shore, entranced by neighboring islands in the shadow of late evening. Dark shapes at the horizon. They sort of ease up out of the water, almost like a turtle shell. They're easy on the eye. Eventually, back on board, I hit the hay, but not before I check my email. No signal. This is a famous place. There's, there's no other place in the world where you can find seven um, independently owned large commercial sailing vessels that are making their way in one harbor. We have the Heritage, the American Eagle, the Isaac H. Evans, the Victory Chimes, Stephen Tabor, Ladone is going to be here, Janie Riggin, and I can't think of any other Windjammers. That's seven in Rockland. Doug and Linda Lee have made their way on Windjammers in Maine for 50 years, first as crew, then as owners and captains. What do Windjammers say about Maine? I think windjammers are a symbol of Maine. It's freedom and it can show you a less populated part of the country where you can actually see what it was really like, how these vessels have worked as part of our history. The first windjammer Doug and Linda owned was the Isaac H. Evans. That's Captain Brenda's ship. That was back in the 1970s. They're currently captains of the Heritage. In 2015, the USS Constitution Museum honored the Lees with an award for their contributions to the Windjammer fleet. What's the difference between a schooner, a windjammer, a clipper, a bark? Oh, my <laughs> God. Windjammers is a term specifically relates to carrying passionists as the freight. Uh, but uh, to answer your question, things like clipper ships and barks and full rig ships and brigs, brigantines, they have square sails. Now, the schooners... The fore and aft rig, that's where the sails go along the keel. They were mainly coastwise vessels. Doug says the starting point for windjammers in Maine begins with Captain Frank Swift in the 1930s. He saw a need uh, for our possibility of using some of these schooners converted to carry people. And so he did it, and it caught on. And at one point he owned 12 vessels in Camden, and then it kind of overflowed into Rockland. 
Later, in the 1950s, windjammers like the Victory Chimes sailed from Rockland. It still does, by the way. There have been ups and downs over the years in terms of numbers of ships, but as they said, now there are seven in Rockland. Noah Barnes has the distinction of owning two windjammers, including the Stephen Tabor. She is 68 feet on deck of girthful coasting schooner majesty. You look a little starry-eyed. Oh, I've had a crush on the Tabor since I was seven. Full stop. Noah's parents bought the Tabor in the late 1970s and made it a family affair. I may have had some brass polishing, deck washing duties, but for the most part, I, I may have run the Uno games and generally jumped around a lot and climbed the rigging. Noah worked the boat for most of his youth, but eventually he left Maine. After college, he worked in New York City in marketing, and it just never sang to him. As he put it, he wasn't firing on all cylinders. In the early 2000s, after 25 years of sailing, his parents retired. And they told me I had first refusal on the schooner and that uh, I had 45 days to make up my mind. He didn't use all that time. The decision was fairly easy. More sailing, less marketing. So in 2004, Noah took the helm of the Tabor. When you took over the boat for them, and it's the first season that it's yours, Mm -hmm. and it's the first time you're going out, Mm -hmm. where were they? I imagine sitting nervously at home. No, I know exactly where they were. As we left the dock, my father was playing the bagpipes. He piped me off the dock on my first trip out. That's really touching. Yeah, it was affecting. And if I weren't so bloody terrified at the time, I probably I probably would have been touched myself. Now, over a decade later, Noah has purchased a second boat, the Ladona. Talk about firing on all cylinders. But here's the deal. Noah says sailing a windjammer may take everything he's got. But so what? In some respects, windjammer sailing is like a big dinner party with his favorite people. The people who show up on your dock are fit to be pleased, and they want to eat good food, and they're just ready to receive all of the great things that we're about to do for them. And couple that with the fact that the nature of the trip is it's a little unusual there's a little like shared discomfiture of being on a boat together and it's sort of a camping vibe there are things that you have to do without outlets hair dryers and what you end up with is hosts that are gracious and food that is superb and uh, and a nice glass of wine and a great setting to enjoy each other's company and the stars come out Maybe the captain pulls out a guitar, and you've just taken people away. And you can do that for a couple of days on end. You've actually hit a reset button somewhere inside of them. Today is Sunday the 14th, 2016. Another very quiet morning. Only a couple people are up. I don't really know what time it is. But I do know it is foggy, thick with fog. Standing here in the foggy deck, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about how busy my life is. The first thing I do when I get up in the mornings, turn on the news, make some tea, eat, or head right out the door at six o'clock and go for a bike ride. Get up and move, get up and move, get up and move. Why not just sit in the backyard, 
for a while without intention. This is how day four of our five-day trip started for me. It was the first morning I didn't check email. I feel like I'm late to that party, the no-screen party. Yesterday, everyone I spoke to had already severed ties to their screens. Eventually, even I got a little taste. Instead of staring at a screen, I watched lots of seals, especially one seal racing beside us, hurling through the air like a dolphin. I'd never seen anything like that. Or the flocks of hundreds of seagulls rioting over one spot in the water. I mean, hundreds. It was a good reminder that so much life exists outside my own small world. This morning, on deck in the fog, that feeling grows as I listen, entranced even by crows. In time, people joined me on deck. We ate breakfast. It's been great every morning. Plenty to eat. Eggs, bacon, fruit, local coffee. We had excellent quiche one morning. And I was so pleased to see on the morning we had pancakes, there was real Maine syrup. I'm kind of picky. Anyway, after breakfast and the fog lifted, passengers helped the crew haul anchor and set sail. It's a ridiculously perfect day. Again, there's lots of wind. In fact, passengers are getting windburned. What are you guys doing? Standing on the boom. Check this out. The Borman family climbed a few feet up a mast and inched themselves out on the telephone pole-sized boom of the mainsail. Mom, Dad, and their two sons lean against the biggest sail like it was a hammock. Ethan, what do you think? This is awesome. It reinforces my superiority. Wow. <laughs> See up here, I see from a distance and I see how insignificant I am. I am but a tiny speck. Late in the day, we head for anchor. Passing the channel buoy and the lighthouse at the head of Rockport Harbor, it finally dawned on me. I crossed the threshold. Today, I didn't once check my phone for email, or even the time. Now I'm a little bit disappointed. It's our last night on board. Why did it take me so long to disengage? Maybe because this was a working trip for me, interviewing and recording and such. Well, next time, clearly, I'll leave all that at home. What do you do with an Evan sailor? What do you do with an Evan sailor? What do you do with an Evan sailor? Brenda and the crew must know that leaving the ship in the morning is on the passengers' minds tonight. To distract us, perhaps, they made yet another stupendous meal, and they led us in one heck of a lot of singing. Thank you for sailing the Isaac Evans. What a lovely place. What a lovely I wish that I could tell you there was a formula or some way to explain what happens, but until you experience it, <laughs> there's no way to explain it. Your experience is so shared and so connected, and there's not a single screen involved. We're so glad you were here. <laughs> This is Salts and Water, Stories from the Maine Coast. Salts and Water is produced by Experience Maritime Maine, the website to visit if you're looking to visit the Maine Coast. The site has many, many stories and plenty of ideas about how you can experience the Maine Coast firsthand. We're supported by Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors magazine. Many thanks to Abby Levin for her production help and to the Maine Windjammers Association. Music on Salts and Water comes from Ketza. 
Be sure to listen to other episodes of Salts and Water, including a story about Maine's 400-year history of wooden shipbuilding, as well as a story about the rich maritime history of Searsport. I'm Rob Rosenthal.